AM 1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortallaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Hour number two of Extra Point on this Thursday, December 7th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 o'clock as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. Your phone call time, if you'd like to join the program, will take place around 12.15 today in this hour. 602-260-1060 is the number. 602-260-1060. Let's reset the scene here with today's poll questions, and we'll get uh, this hour number two started with the KDOS1060.com poll question involving the New England Patriots. Bob had a conversation with Christopher Price from the Boston Globe chatting all things Patriots, Bill Belichick, potential things to come at season's end. If you missed it, podcast it over at KDOS1060.com. Should the Patriots and Bill Belichick part ways after this season? The masses continue to be on the yes side of things here at uh, 70% of the vote. No trailing at 30%. This is the KDOS1060.com poll question that we will answer around 1230 today. Tossing it on over to Twitter at KDOSAM1060. The Suns, they'll get back in uh, action on Friday. They'll play the Kings here in Phoenix. Uh, But rank the level of how much the Suns should be concerned about Bradley Beal's back. High has taken a lead here at 52.4% of the vote. Moderate sitting at 47.6%. Low still getting 0% of the vote. This, of course, being Bradley Beal has uh, not played since November 12th. And he has only played three games so far in his son's tenure. We'll answer that question at 1230 or so today. Continuing our quarterback conversation and kind of just resetting the scene here quickly. uh, Yesterday, we had a conversation about quarterbacks in the NFL, how it related to Kyler Murray, where he stacks up for the 32 teams in the NFL. And if anything would change about his performance, et cetera, also factoring in where the Cardinals are going to be in the NFL draft process, the quarterbacks coming out in the NFL draft for 2024. At Verderame this morning, I saw of SI.com put together a rankings of the NFL quarterbacks going into week 14. That's the week that starts tonight with the Patriots and the Steelers contest. I'll briefly recap here one through six. Number one, to no surprise, Patrick Mahomes. Two, Josh Allen. Three, Lamar Jackson. Four, Dak Prescott. Five, Jalen Hurts. And six, C.J. Stroud is where we left off. We have yet to get to Kyler Murray. We have yet to get some to some other names. We'll get to it now. Number seven on this list, Justin Herbert. And I am absolutely to the point here where I just want to see him with different coaching. Yeah, he's had different offensive coaches. Uh, he is basically – had a lot to do with them losing games in the, down the stretch of seasons and losing games down the stretch of games. Uh, he has been not good uh, in uh, the red zone in many close games and many losses in several years now. So I'm to the point now where I'm starting to wonder whether this is a Justin Herbert problem. 
So I was very wrong about him thinking that he was uh, just kind of some nice stats when he was at Oregon. And then he came out in his rookie season and you're like, oh, no, he has a command of what he's doing here in the NFL. He has all the physical attributes, a huge arm. He can run if he wants to. Um, And you're right. There has been plenty of different scenarios to bring up about fourth quarter moments that have been both good and bad and maybe the bad sticks out in our head maybe there's a few more bad than there have been good Um, not many good quite frankly not many and i've had him on a fantasy team for two years in a row now and i've watched every snap (laughs) uh so i i just I, i i just think that there's too much physical gift there Uh, And we just have seen what the structure is like in totality with Brandon Staley now as the head coach for the Chargers. So I'd like to see in a different environment. And if that helps the situation in those clutch moments, because the environment and preparation is just better, it's less chaotic. And maybe that helps him and those physical attributes can come out. Maybe, but he's gone through, you know, multiple coaches now whether quarterback coaches, offensive coordinators, et cetera. And I was the opposite of you. I loved him coming out of college, and I thought he should have been the number one or number two quarterback of that class. So I, I was in the minority in that group. And, uh, you know, the hard knocks uh, his rookie year, um, I was really impressed then. Uh, the, fortunately, the more I see, the less I think of him. Number eight on this list is Trevor Lawrence. Uh, You know, certainly there has been a lot of inconsistencies here with him. His rookie season was a complete disaster. And then we saw steps forward last year. And I don't know that we've seen that next leap this year that maybe we were expecting from the leap we saw from year one to year two. Uh, So I, I feel like this is also kind of an interesting evaluation. Well, I'm going to disagree with you here a little bit because I actually think he's been better this year than he was a year ago. Uh, and in either year, uh, he's he, once again another guy that has had really bad red zone numbers. Uh, in uh, in his case, though, I think it's more of what's around him than it is Herbert uh, because Herbert's got some players around him. Uh, this year, the offensive line with the Chargers hasn't been as good. Uh, but you know, to me, uh, Lawrence has actually shown some signs of improvement this year. Definitely some of the red zone numbers have gotten better. They're still not great. Uh, but you know, last year, you know, he was obviously going to improve from the Urban Meyer disaster. That was nobody's fault. And any, any player in Jacksonville, that was just a bad idea from the start. But you know, he, uh, you, know, you look at the end of last season. You know, they had that great stretch to end the season. And just the playoff game itself showed his inconsistency. You know, they fell behind by 100 points to Herbert and the Chargers, ironically. And uh, he had a whole lot to do. He threw three or four picks or had turnovers in that first half and, you know, put them in a, a situation where they should have been buried had they not been playing the Chargers. And Herbert couldn't finish that game off. And that's one of the games that we're talking about with Herbert. In fact, that was the, the biggest game of his career to this point. And he's a big reason why the Herber and the Chargers lost that game. And Lawrence, at least in the end of that game, was one of the reasons, if not the biggest reason, they won that game. 
Now, number nine on this list here is Brock Purdy. His accuracy, we touched on it yesterday, is so impressive. Gets the ball to his playmakers and allows them to do their thing in stride. His decision-making is generally very good. He keeps the ball out of harm's way. You know, is he number nine on this list because he's a product of some superstars around him? I guess he should be much higher in this list. Um, I would say you know, three or four. Um, you know, I don't understand. I just think that a lot of people hold it against him and their evaluation of him that he was the last pick of the draft. Uh, you know, maybe they don't watch any college football. Uh, had he not had a miserable last season in Iowa State after most of his playmakers had left, uh, he would have been a much higher draft pick had he come down, uh, come out, excuse me, after his junior year as opposed to you know sticking around, which was a noble thing to do, but not the best thing in his uh, draft and financial interest as far as uh, the draft picks go. But he should be far better than this on this list or any list. Yeah, I was stunned to see him at number nine for quarterbacks here. Uh, sitting at number 10 is Jared Goff, and we've touched on this here before, that this trade has worked out really nicely for both the Rams and the Lions. Uh, and it's given Jared Goff kind of a whole new set of opportunity and a whole new environment to grow into being a quarterback. He had a couple of games, though, here just a couple of weeks where he really struggled six turnovers there he did get back on track last week here so it now comes down to how does he finish off this season yeah and I think there's one thing that I've maybe forgotten not forgotten but dismissed more than I should have it's not like he sucked his entire career for the Rams they made the Super Bowl and he had a lot to do with them making the Super Bowl uh, obviously, Cardinals fans are just going, oh, my God, Jared Goff and the Rams, because he had a couple of his best games ever against the Cardinals, uh, including a game here where he threw, like, four touchdowns. seemed like every pass was a touchdown. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he, was, he had some success in Los Angeles, but obviously it's been better in, in Detroit. And I'm guessing if this survey came out a month ago that he'd be much higher on this list. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, there was a talk a month ago for him for MVP. Yeah, and it was justified. Yeah, so yeah, for sure. Number 11 on this list is Tua Tungavaloa here. I, I suppose we're holding against him that this team has yet to win this season uh, against a, an opponent that is above 500. So until Or last season. Correct. So until that change changes, uh, it's hard to evaluate him and put him higher up on this list. Um, I will say this, though. He has done a much better job this season of protecting himself. Well, that's true. No doubt about that. And I think that's, I don't, I think that's partly because he's done a better job there. And I'm, you know, like, I haven't watched every you know, snap for the Dolphins this year, but I'm guessing – that uh, McDaniels put him in uh, much better situations to also help protect him. Uh, so there's that. Uh, I'm, you know, you know, two has had some not so good games this year for him, and but you know, his receivers or you know, the opponent has bailed him out. Uh, he's had uh, he's had some games where the accuracy has not been there. I don't think that anybody thinks he can really throw the ball down the field with you know tremendous you know success. Yeah, I know it's easy to throw the ball down the field, though, if you've got, you know, you know, basically Ron Rivera 
as the defensive coordinator or the uh, head coach of the other team, and they let they just decided, well, we'll, we'll just play one on one with uh, Tyree Kill. You know, one of those big long passes to Hill last week was a horrible pass uh, by Tua, and Hill made an incredible adjustment. Almost had to stop to catch the ball down the field when he was wide open. So you know, I'm. I think Tua is more good for Tua because you know he had he had injuries in college too. Remember, which were not related to concussions, uh, lower leg injuries and so forth. Uh, but you know, he's uh, taken advantage of the situation uh, that he's been you know, been been, give, been given with a. It seems to be a tremendous play caller, and obviously the 400 meter relay team, which is the Miami offense. Number 12 on this list is Matthew Stafford. And, uh, well, we've seen the Rams with Stafford, and we've seen the Rams without Stafford this season. So seems like case closed there. Yeah, he's also had some problems, though, getting the ball into the end zone with success. Um, you're not necessarily red zone because you know, he's got such a big arm that he's you know had a lot of end zone targets that weren't in the red zone, you know, but it, probably more than most quarterbacks in his whole career, uh, he's probably had more red zone targets outside of the uh, more end zone targets I should say outside of the red zone than most quarterbacks. But you know when they were struggling early, they were three, you remember they were three and three three and six right three and six at one time because they've won three in a row now uh, to get back to six and six. But part of that is that, you know, they just didn't score touchdowns and he missed some throws. I don't want to get us too far sidetracked, but this caught my attention when you were talking about him struggling getting the ball in the red zone. And that has been something that has been brought up with a couple of different quarterbacks on this list. And I'm just wondering if there's something to that this year that uh, defenses are having a leg up on on offenses in the red zone. I mean, obviously... percentage-wise, it goes in favor of the defense just because of the field, et cetera. Um, But I'm I'm just kind of curious as to why it seems like those red zone issues are standing out a little bit more this year. I don't necessarily think it – I don't have the numbers to back this up, unfortunately. But scoring around the league is down almost everywhere for almost every team. Uh, So, you know, the league in general scoring is down. And your third, I saw a third down percentage thing a couple of weeks ago was way down. Uh, and, uh, you know, I don't think that's changed too much because there's, those are a lot of numbers, you know, thousands of numbers at this point. Uh, so, you know, I just think it's league in general. I don't know. Like I said, I'm not sure if it's a, you know, decided difference. I'm just guessing that the red zone scoring percentage is also significantly down. Uh, but I think that just kind of correlates with the fact that offense in general is down. Because I was going to say that maybe red zone production is down because we've had so a barrage of injuries to quarterbacks, playmakers, etc. But some of the quarterbacks that we pointed out are very high on this list who are playing well this year. So that almost theory doesn't really square with, with just kind of working it through right now. I'll just give you one specific example that I can definitely mention is, you know, Dak Prescott's numbers, the red zone numbers early in the season were not good, but he had, a you know, 60% of his offensive line, for example, didn't play here against the Cardinals. And that whether they won for five in that game, if I remember correctly, in the red zone so. for touchdowns. Yeah, it was horrible. And, you know, Including since they've gotten, yeah, that's right. That's a very good point. 
since they got healthier, it's uh, you know, that's part of the reason with uh, the red zone success. And you know, and what's he got? Eight, eighteen touchdowns in like the last five games or something now. Uh, and the red zone, you know, productivity has gone way up for him. But yeah, you know, it's amazing when you have a healthier offensive line, especially if you have some stud offensive linemen that are actually now healthy. That helps a quarterback. Well, I don't know if I can tease this along because we've managed to make it to number 13. Lucky number 13. There's a particular quarterback slotted here at number 13. We'll take a break and we'll get to that quarterback on the other side of the break and the ensuing questions that I have in regards to this particular quarterback in the NFL. You can interrupt if you'd like. 602-260-1060 is the number. We'll take your calls now and talk to you on the other side of the break. 602-260-1060. It is the extra point right here on KDUS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDUS1060.com and with the KDUS 1060 app. Extra Point with local and national topics, betting lines, and banter. Weekdays 10 to noon on KTUS AM 1060, KTUS1060.com, and the KTUS 1060 app. AM 1060. It is the extra point. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until one o'clock today as we're doing this week, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Continuing our NFL quarterback conversation list inspired from Matt Verderame of SI.com putting together our rankings of NFL quarterbacks going into week 14. Inspired though for me to even see it, look at it, read about it, Because of our conversation yesterday involving quarterbacks and where kind of Kyler Murray stacks up in the NFL of the 32 teams and uh, how that translates to what the team should be doing in the future here with their projected uh, place in the 2024 NFL draft. In addition to that, quarterbacks coming out in the 2024 NFL draft. So you've guessed it. We've made it here one through 12. We're at lucky number 13 now and number 13 on this list is Kyler Murray so coming in at 13 is better than half the league uh, I know that I'm not really in a position here to change your mind you're you're pretty set on uh, you know Kyler Murray you've seen a lot of him we, we watch all the home games we watch all the away games uh, you've seen a ton from Kyler Murray here up until this point with four games left to go for the Cardinals after they complete their bye this week. They are home against the 49ers, then they're on the road against the Bears, on the road against the Eagles, and home against the Seahawks to conclude things here. Is there anything at all that you want to see from Kyler? Uh, Consistency, uh, you know, more accuracy, anything that you could possibly see from him in the next four weeks, along with this new coaching staff, uh, that would potentially change your mind about him? Unlikely. Um, yeah, I don't really think any differently now of uh, him than I did when he was at Oklahoma. Thought he was in a great system at Oklahoma. 
He had the same system uh, the first uh, three years, or how long, how long was Kingsbury here? However long Kingsbury was here, the same system basically in uh, the NFL that he had in college. Never got any better in the NFL with Kingsbury, in my opinion. And uh, after four games, uh, he's had one tremendous game, one uh, heroic game of the first game. Oh, I should rephrase this. The first game, it was a heroic performance, but he also did not put them in a position to win the game until the final drive of that game against, uh, that was against the Falcons, right? Way back yes. when, uh, four games ago. Uh, then he completely lost the second game that he played with a horrendous fourth quarter decision-making and accuracy-wise against Houston in a game the Cardinals should have easily won and gone away with all the turnovers that Houston had with Stroud that you mentioned earlier in the hour. Then uh, he had a really bad game. I don't even think that he would disagree with that in the uh, the loss here three a couple of weeks ago. And then I the the game on Sunday, uh, the 99-yard touchdown drive is the best drive I've ever seen him have in the NFL. Uh, he did a lot of really good things. Uh, accuracy, decision-making, you mentioned yesterday 100% accurate as far as the, the weather. It was raining even at that point in the game in Pittsburgh. That was great. But I would be stunned. If anything happens in the next four weeks that changes my mind of Kyler Murray and whether he can be a franchise difference-making quarterback for any franchise in the NFL. So, you know, he obviously had a lot of success at Oklahoma in that particular system. The prevailing thought was uh, Cliff Kingsbury as coach run the same similar type of system uh, that just causes a whole lot of ease for him coming into the NFL. It didn't work out. Now this is a whole new set of system, things that he's learning, uh, you know, that whole discussion a couple of weeks ago about footwork, et cetera, here, you know, and there's always a bit of a learning curve to anything. Does anything about changing a system encourage you or uh, entice you to give the four weeks a bit of a chance? No, not at all. Sorry. I'd like to say yes, but I haven't seen anything. I, th- I had the idea that they were going to have him roll out more and get him outside the pocket because he's, he's he's short. Uh, that's not changing any at this stage of his life. Uh, and he has a bunch of passes batted down at the line of scrimmage. That still happened this year. And the first, even a couple of the games he's played well, that's happened. Uh, and then the fact that he has a very low completion percentage over the middle of the field is uh, largely because he just can't see over the linemen. And I'm not blaming him. It's not his fault that he's not tall. Uh, but I, I just uh, don't see those things changing. And like I said, and it sounded like you agreed with me there, I'm really surprised. There has, you know, We were led to believe, uh, and I'm positive that they, you know, the, 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 the coaching staff mentioned this before he was active for the first game, that he was going to be involved in more rollouts and so forth and uh, get him outside the pocket. And, uh, you know, that seems to be where he'd be more accurate. And we haven't seen hardly any of that, almost none of that, uh, through four games. I would think that that would put a lot of stress on the defenses there because you can certainly run a lot of different actions off of certain looks, whether it's a rollout, whether it's a designed run, et cetera. Uh, You keep the defense guessing, and we have seen him in the past be very 
very accurate in scramble-type situations, rollout-type situations. So I would think that that would be something that would have been we – w- we would have seen it a little bit more through four weeks. Yeah, and I, this doesn't have to be short passes either. I mean, you know, we've seen him, you know, be in you know, scramble situations, or yeah, you know, sometimes he actually did leave the pocket and design plays with Kingsbury, and had accurate throws down the field. And that's the one thing that I mentioned, I think, last week, as recently as last week. I wonder yeah, he's done so much throwing after he really didn't even do, I'm sure, very much of that during his rehab situation with the knee. I'm wondering if he, at least at some point here this year, has gone through like a dead arm stage that we see pitchers do during spring training in baseball because clearly there's been some deep throws. Now, he got last week, he had a couple of deep throws that he made that were very good that were dropped. Uh, you know, Rondale Moore comes to mind immediately uh, with a play that should have been, could have been a touchdown if it was, you know, he caught the ball. Uh, but it doesn't seem like the deep throw accuracy or the length of the deep throws has been as good as we've seen in past years, which I actually thought was his strength as uh, uh, the Cardinals quarterback under Kingsbury. Now, I want to flip this conversation to the coaching staff side of things. And, you know, the Cardinals are on by this week. And so with just four games left to go in the season, the evaluation process is, is going on for them with Kyler about what they're going to do for them, for any of the other players, et cetera, on this roster. And you, we have talked about it here about, like, how do we evaluate this this coaching staff? Uh, because there's certain things that we're looking for that says, yes, they got it. They have a grasp of things. This is this is going to be a good situation for a long time to come, like the direction that things are headed. And a couple of weeks ago, you had mentioned that this was the first time that you thought that some of the decision-making and some of the things that we would like to see, you really – you really took a step back and said, whoa, I'm not sure they have a grasp of what's going on here. Then they go out, have the game that they did against the Steelers. So from a coaching staff side of things, what do you want to see in the next four games from them to, to really feel confident about them heading into the offseason? Nothing from last week changes my opinion of the coaching staff. Nothing. They just out-physicaled them at the line of scrimmage. If that's motivation and getting your guys ready, that's great. But to me, that game was the Steelers didn't show up more than the Cardinals actually you know, were physically dominant at the line of scrimmage because if both teams had actually showed up, that would not, I don't think that would have ever happened, quite frankly. Uh, as far as what they can do, I really don't think anything. And that's is nothing a knock on what I think of the coaching staff or what I think anybody should think of this coaching staff. This team sucks. Their roster is amongst the worst, if not the worst, in the NFL to this point. I mean, there's some teams that have worse records, but roster-wise, I would be willing to bet, Kayla, your money, that you know, the ro- there's, there's going to be a bigger ro- as big a roster turnover on this team next year as there should be than any team in the league. They have very few NFL high-quality level starting players for sure, and they keep. And I totally agree with their approach here. They keep bringing guys in and out. Uh, they keep claiming guys off of waivers and cutting guys, which they should do. They're just trying to find a handful or maybe a, the best-case scenario, maybe 10 guys that they're bringing in and out here on a daily basis that can be actually part of the roster next season. And that's not going to change. That This is just going to get more of a 
the numbers on this are just going to go grow and grow and grow. And I don't think we're going to get a complete grasp of this coaching staff, assuming it stays intact, by the way, uh, until next year when they have a far better level of talent and better players. That is a good point you bring up. Assuming it stays intact, you never know if there are coordinator changes, uh, promotions, et cetera, that could happen. That happens That happens often in the NFL. Yeah, almost everywhere. I mean, no matter what your record is, I mean, if you're a good team, you know, you get, you know, the coaching staff gets poached by other teams for coaching, for just you know, guys become head coaches. And if you're bad teams, like this team is, you rarely have that uh, coaching staff stay intact for two consecutive seasons. On the other side of the break, it is poll question time. We dive into the New England Patriots. T- and the time f- out. I got to add one other quick thing here. I'm not inferring at all that Jonathan Gannon, I think he's going to be here. Oh, yes. But I'm wondering whether the assistant coaches, there's going to be some changes just because there always is. Sorry, but I just wanted to make sure I got that in. That is a good fair point. I knew what you meant, but fair to make sure and clarify that we all knew what you meant there. Uh, Poll questions are coming up on the other side of the break right here on KDOS AM 1060. Check out KDUS AM 1060 on 100.7 KSLX HD2. That's right, HD Radio on 100.7 channel number two. Well, we have a plan for tomorrow. So we made it through 1 through 13 of the quarterbacks from Matt Verderame's SI.com quarterback list heading into week 14 because we stopped at Kyler Murray at 13, being better than half the league. Now we got to get through 14 through, we'll see if we get through all 32, but at least a few after. We don't need to get through the 30s or whatever. We We don't need to get through the Mac Jones group. Okay, very good. Uh, So we'll do the immediate grouping after that and see uh, where they stack up in, you know, ascension, descension this year uh, for some of those By the way, just for fun, where is Mac Jones in this list? In case I forget tomorrow. Um, He was in the 30s, and he may not even have – he may have been like a slash Bailey Zappy, if I remember correctly. (laughs) Okay, that that's that sounds fair. Yeah. Okay, that's good. That that gives credibility to the list. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll do that uh, tomorrow. Of course, tomorrow is Friday spread. Brought to you by Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits. No college games to get into, so we'll be heavy into the NFL. Plus this Army li- Navy. Oh, that's right. Totals like twenty. Totals like twenty eight or something like that. That's right. That is tomorrow. Uh, that is we, this weekend. We, we, yeah, we've bet this game under for years, and they're testing us this year big time. <laughs> yeah, if it's 28, they want it to go over. Break the streak. Uh, so, got to be <laughs> defensive touchdowns even this year. All right, poll question time, kdus1060.com. We'll start there. Uh, Bob had a conversation, Christopher Price, Boston Globe. If you missed any of that Patriots conversation, podcast it over at kdus1060.com and with the KDUS1060 app. The question here is, should the Patriots and Bill Belichick part ways after this season? Yeah, and I want to, you know, I formulated my notes here uh, before we talked to Christopher, and I feel, you know, I feel smart all the time anyway. 
Uh, but now I feel even smarter because he seems to go along with this. The Patriots should keep Bill Belichick if he agrees to drastically alter his player personnel and scouting skills is the first note I have here. Few coaches, obviously, have ever uh, understood the game as well as Belichick. Uh, but Bill, the GM, as you've talked about, uh, you know, I'm going to paraphrase your comments here, but Bill, the GM, has all but uh, eliminated the effectiveness of Bill, the coach. Uh, you know, multiple draft picks uh, have gone horribly. Uh, obviously, number one on the list, and I never understood this by anybody in the NFL would ever consider Mac Jones a first-round pick. And I believe it was 13th when they picked him, the 13th overall pick. That that play right that that move right there, you know, making the play for him, so to speak, uh, that started the spiral of this organization. Uh, and he has uh, gotten worse every year. Got worse by the end of his uh, you know his first year, his rookie season, and it's just not never it's never gotten any better. So we'll see. Now the result of all this is their current roster in New England is among the worst in the NFL. They've got some damn good defensive players, though. They still do. A couple of guys are hurt, obviously, Judon and Gonzalez. And they, you know, until recently, and even recently, with their offense putting them in horrible positions, their defense has still done fine. or better than fine. I read some of the numbers earlier during the sports zone. You know, the, uh, the points per game and the yards per game are – and uh, you know, still respectable, especially if you consider that how you know, the offense is you know, given you know, the opponent to, you know, you know, four or five pick sixes right off the bat there. And I know they had at least one block punt for a touchdown this year too. So all the points they've allowed, the defense hasn't been on the field for a lot of those points. Uh, so there's that. But right now this roster is among the worst in the NFL and the greatest NFL coach ever, in my opinion, cannot overcome his own personnel issues. Uh, if he refuses to you know, relinquish his uh, player personnel powers, then at that point, bottom line, Robert Kraft has to move on from Belichick and fire him at the end of the year. Yeah, I have written down here on my notes, GM Bill has hampered Coach Bill often, and it's finally showing up in a big, big way. Um, it seemed like it took a little bit for Bill to change some defensive philosophy of like how he views the linebacking position and just some of the um, changes that we've seen on the offensive side of the ball and how speed, quickness, et cetera, really was more valued uh, to be able to go up against some of these incredibly physical, speedy tight ends, et cetera. He made those changes, and we're starting to see some of the impact of that taking place on the defensive side of the ball. You mentioned Judon. Uh, he hasn't been part of the defense since week four with his injury. Would have loved to have seen how Christian Gonzalez would have progressed at the cornerback mm -hmm. position, kind of shoring that secondary up for the defense. But the offensive side of the ball has just been a complete mess. They have missed on pretty much every single pick they've had, whether it be offensive line, whether it be skill players, uh, quarterback position, so you're absolutely right that general manager Bill uh, has to not be uh, general manager Bill for 2024. And I don't know if you are if you are Bill, 
do you accept that? Um, do, do you have enough humility to say this isn't going well and I am going to turn this over to somebody else? And I just don't know how those conversations go. And I almost feel like it's probably actually just best to start fresh for everyone. Um, that if Bill has an opportunity to go somewhere else to continue to try to chase the records, then he goes somewhere else. And for New England, uh, because the other thing, too, is I don't think this offense is going to be turned around overnight. And Bill, uh, there doesn't seem to be signs of slowing down, but how much longer is he going to be a part of a rebuild that is basically starting from scratch on one side of the ball? Does he want to be a part of that process? Uh, Because it's not really win-now mode. So maybe it is best for both parties to say this has been an unbelievable 20-plus year run. You change the course of the Patriots franchise. Uh, You know, obviously the craft and the valuation for the Patriots organization organization is completely bolstered we had a phenomenal time uh but we're going in separate ways now yeah i agree with all that you know that's an excellent evaluation from you there i'll add one other thing it hasn't hasn't just been free uh, the draft they've spent money on a lot of free agents you're right and they spent bad money on a lot of free agents that haven't been very good once they've been with the patriots uh, Johnny Smith comes to mind immediately. Uh, Juju Smith Schuster's not really panning out. Uh, you've definitely been right on the money spent. It, it's not, in turn, being productive. The masses are on the uh, yes. Um, I was just going to totally agree with you oh. again. So you, know, you, you don't stop me from doing that. No, I should never <laughs> stop that from happening. Right. Uh, the masses are on the yes side of things at 68% of the vote. No sitting at 28%. That is KDOS1060.com's poll question. Let's toss this on over to Twitter at KDOSAM1060. Rank the level of how much the sun should be concerned about Bradley Beal's back. High, moderate, or low are the options. Just a quick run through of the update of how things are going with Bradley Beal and what we know publicly. Uh, Sham Sharania said yesterday that he has been told Bradley Beal has started his ramp up process, that the goal is to return soon, potentially over the next 10 days. He is set to be reevaluated later this week. So that would likelihood be, you know, today, tomorrow, Saturday for a reevaluation standpoint. He has not been on the court since November 12th, and it's just been three games for Beal so far in a Suns uniform 17.3 points per game 39.1 percent field goal percentage 5.3 rebounds 3.7 assists average in those three games Frank Vogel was asked about Beal yesterday and he said we feel like he's going to get back to full strength soon also the big three of KD Beal and Booker have not played a game together so far uh for me I think that I'm on the moderate side of things unless this back injury becomes chronic. Um, so maybe it's just a part of uh, he was dealing with it in the off season here, played in some preseason games, was out for a little while, came back, uh, also then uh, had some more time to, to miss here with the back injury. So we're maybe potentially hitting that chronic stage. Maybe he just came back a little bit too soon. Not quite certain the uh, severity or what the specific diagnosis is to the, ba- to the back injury. So with all of that being said, back injuries just in general are never a good thing to have. 
uh, setbacks, though, then having to reevaluate it, I'm changing my answer to high. But for now, uh, I'm going to say moderate if everything goes according to plan here in the next 10 days. Okay, I'm going to keep this one pretty short. Um, yeah, I actually think that the the level of concern for the Suns with Beal has to be very high. I um, mean, I have my own category there. Uh, you know, take out the forest service, you know, high, moderate, or low thing that I've used as a question for many years. Uh, but I think it has to be very hot, uh, very high. Remember, I was completely against uh, when they traded for him to begin with. And it wasn't anything against Bradley Beal. When he's playing, he's a really good player. Uh, but, you know, to me, he, in fact, I double-checked this this morning. He's only played more than 57 games once in the last five seasons. He's now 30 years old, and he has nerve issues with his back. Uh, it can't be that surprising that he's only played just three of the Suns' first 21 games, considering everything there. And I just uh, thought this was a bad – I hope I'm wrong about this, but this just seemed to be a bad idea from the start because of his injury history. Uh, the masses are split between 50-50 in the high and moderate category, low getting no percent of the vote on Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. I think I will say this, though, for, for certain, that it's, you know, you have taken a very specific stance that you did not like this this trade, you did not like these moves in the offseason, and you didn't think it was going to work out. I took a more passive approach of saying, well, let's see how it works out. Well, I have nothing to judge it on because they haven't played together yet so far. Uh, but if it continues that he's not available, then obviously this isn't working out. The other thing that I think has become clear that some of the moves that have been made uh, thinking Bradley Beal is going to be the starter, like an Eric Gordon and now having to play ton more minutes uh that was not the expectation and so i think you're also seeing too that it's almost like the same situation from last year that it's kevin durant and and devin booker and they're having to log tons of minutes and then when they're not out there the bench just is really struggling and other teams gain ground at that point so really not having an effective Bradley Beal on the court has then has has a ripple effect and I think that part can potentially be very high in terms of concern about how this whole thing got constructed totally agree with all that too um you know, just uh but uh, can anybody you know, well, let's rephrase I'll rephrase this nobody should be surprised that the Suns bench is not good true uh True. There was no money left, right? <laughs> well, and some of the players that they've you know, put in roles. Yeah, I will say that you know, Allen has been really good on offense, which I kind of thought he was good on offense, been better on offense than I anticipated. But they don't really have anybody coming off the bench that I would consider to be a defensive stopper. I still don't quite understand. It must have been a money thing. Uh, Torrey Craig would have been a nice fit for this team, but he's not here anymore. In-season basketball tournament semifinals from Las Vegas gets underway tonight. Uh, we'll wrap up this edition of Extra Points on the other side of the break. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you.
Ready to bring KDUS AM 1060 into your home with Alexa? Hi, I'm Alexa. Download the KDUS AM 1060 skill and enable. Then say, Alexa, open the KDUS AM 1060. This is where I start my day. December 7th edition of Extra Point here on KDOS AM 1060 online at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app, some pretty sweet hoops tickets available for you on the KDOS 1060 app. Download it, register, key component there, make sure you are registered and you can get yourself entered for a chance at those hoops tickets. But it's that time once again, Bob, it is thank you time. All right, rapid fire here. Thanks for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever and whatever else slipped through the cracks. Also, our guest today, Patriots Update, including the future of Bill Belichick with Christopher Price. Christopher Price, I'm going to try to go too fast here, of the Boston Globe. A conversation uh, like no other with Christopher Price over like the last 15 years uh, when we talked about the Patriots with him. Uh, tomorrow at 10:15, we'll have a Major League Baseball hot stove update with uh, Bob Nightingale of USA Today. And the stove got a little hotter in the last 24 hours. Hopefully, more will happen before tomorrow. That'll be even more fun. Sound of the day, courtesy of CBS, ESPN, Detroit or DET 97.1 Fox, and also KWFM. Special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. And Kayla's going to tell us what's coming up next. That's right. Up next from 1 to 3 o'clock, it is the Doug Gottlieb Show, followed by the Rich Eisen Show from 3 to 5, and the Sports Zoo with Dave Rooster-Beerstein from 5 to 6 tonight. Also tonight, it is the uh, NBA in-season tournament semifinals taking place from Las Vegas. Today at 3 p.m. on ESPN, it's the Pacers and the Bucks. The Pacers are a team averaging 128.4 points per game. I was going to say, what's the total on that game? Jeez. Uh, yeah, I guess I could look it up real quick. I'm, I'm, I'm looking it up right now. I'll, go ahead. Tyrese I'll try Halliburton, to find he has been showcased for sure. Uh, 34.3 minutes, he's averaging 26.9 points per game, four rebounds and 11.9 assists for him. I'm seeing over-under sitting at 257 on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. Holy yeah. That's like Paul West. Westhead back in the days with the Nuggets. Uh, yeah, that's uh, yeah. I don't bet NBA. I've bet an NBA game in the regular season for a few years, uh, but uh, you know that should be a last team with the ball. It's like a football game. Last team with the ball wins, <laughs> type of thing. Yeah, uh, and then the second game of the night is the Pelicans and the Lakers. That's at 7 p.m. on TNT. For the Pelicans, they did get C.J. McCollum back in their last game. He had 17 points, seven assists in the quarterfinal game. Zion also has played 18 games so far for the Pelicans, Woo! averaging 22.7 points per game. So that's C- the career high. <laughs> it Just might kidding. Be. Uh, Not that far off, though. Absolutely. That's 7 p.m. tonight on TNT. That'll do it for us here in the Extra Point Friday spread tomorrow.